Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The following podcast is based on actual X-Files cases. What do you know about alien abduction? <laughs> you're, you're, you're kidding me. I've been told there's never been a successful pregnancy at the Fairfield Zoo. Sounds like you've been talking to Kyle Lang. It's me. I was right. I just followed the kid from the WA out of the zoo. He's just about to make it over the fence. Get out far from the mountain home airbase. Major UFO hotspot. Weird fact, Mother. No animal in Fairfield Zoo has ever brought a pregnancy to terror. Welcome back to X-Files Truth. Today's file is Fearful Symmetry. X-File number classified. The plot. In Fairfield, Idaho, two janitors witness an invisible force storm down a city street. A road worker is later killed by the force on the highway. The next day, an elephant suddenly materializes in front of an oncoming truck. The driver manages to stop in time, but the elephant soon collapses and dies over 40 miles from where it had disappeared the night before at the Fairfield Zoo. Agents Mulder and Scully investigate surveying the damage in the city which appears to have been caused by an elephant though none was seen. They speak to Ed Meacham, an animal handler at the zoo who recounts how he came to the elephant's locked cage to find it empty. His boss, Willa Ambrose, tells the agents that the zoo is in danger of closing due to other animal disappearances. She blames the zoo's decline on an animal rights group called Wild Again Organization which is known to free captive animals. The agents visit the WAO leader, Kyle Lang, who denies that his group set the elephant free. Lang tells them that Ambrose is being sued by the Malawi government over a lowland gorilla she took from their country 10 years prior. Misham's a barbarian. He's been torturing animals at the Fairfield Zoo for years. We figure he's still at it. Eventually we're gonna get some proof. We're here to put pressure on the zoo. We're keeping track of what goes on there. Even though Willa Ambrose claims that she's put a stop to most of his old practices? Whatever Willa Ambrose's intentions, she's too preoccupied to really know how Meacham operates. Preoccupied with what? A lawsuit she's fighting against the Malawi government over a lowland gorilla named Sophie. 
Willa rescued her from a North African customs house ten years ago. Raised her like a child. Now the Malawi government wants her back. Well, they win. This is a perfect example of man's imperialism over the animal kingdom. Crave an impulse to turn animals into objects for our own selfish pleasure. I thought you said she rescued this gorilla. Yeah, rescued her so she could spend a life behind bars. Her obligation should have been to return the gorilla to the wild. All animals should run free. Even if that means trampling a man to death? Maybe he should have gotten out of the way. I'm sure he would have if he'd seen it coming. Mulder speaks with Frohickey and Byers via satellite. They say that Fairfield is known for its animal disappearances and UFO sightings. They also mention Ambrose's gorilla, who is known to communicate using American Sign Language. Beam me up, Scotty! Did anybody ever tell you the camera loves you, Frohickey? Yeah, the arresting officers at the Free James Brown rally. So what's this costing the taxpayers, Mulder? Uh, about 150 bucks an hour. Ouch! Almost as much as Bill Clinton's haircuts. Where's Langley? He has a philosophical issue with having his image bounced off a satellite. What are you doing in Idaho? I'm in the town of Fairfield. What do you know about it? They got a little zoo there. Lots of strange lore. Animals escaping, disappearing without a trace. Any idea why? You're not far from the Mountain Home Air Base. Major UFO hotspot. Weird fact, Mulder. No animal at Fairfield Zoo has ever brought a pregnancy to term. Not a cub or a chick. The woman who runs the zoo has a gorilla that knows sign language, supposedly with a vocabulary of a thousand words. If that's the lovely agent Scully, let her know I've been working out. I'm buff. Meanwhile, Scully follows a WAO activist as he sneaks into the zoo, running into Meacham inside. The activist attempts to free a tiger, but after a flash of light, the tiger has seemingly disappeared. The activist is promptly mauled to death with the killing captured on his night vision camera. When questioned, Lang denies any involvement with the death. Ambrose introduces the agents to the gorilla named Sophie, who has been cowering in her cage and expresses an apparent fear of light. Scully performs a necropsy on the elephant, revealing it to be pregnant which is impossible since Ambrose would have known about any attempt to impregnate her and no animal at the Fairfield Zoo has ever brought a pregnancy to term. The tiger reappears at a Boise construction site and is shot dead by Meacham when it charges at Ambrose. The zoo is shut down the next day over the incident. Mulder tells Ambrose that the tiger was also pregnant and explains his theory that aliens are impregnating endangered animals as part of their own Noah's Ark. Have the results come in on the tiger? Agent Scully just finished the test. The tiger had been pregnant too. It's impossible. There's no chance those animals could get pregnant. No way. What if they've been artificially inseminated? That's an extremely fine and complex process I would have known. Unless it was done somewhere else. Where? What do you know about alien abduction? <laughs> you're, you're, you're kidding me. You think that these animals were taken aboard some spaceship? I don't know where they're being taken, but there's obviously some problem getting them back. Due to what is probably an astrological variation, uh, a trouble with the time-space continuum. These animals that are being taken from locked cages are being returned roughly two miles west-southwest of the zoo. Aliens impregnating zoo animals? Yes, harvesting the embryos. Why? Maybe their own Noah's Ark. 
to preserve the DNA of these animals that we're depleting to extinction. Whatever it is, that's probably the reason why I've never had a successful birth at this facility. I think that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I understand that you might think it was ridiculous. Maybe you should ask Sophie. You think this is what she's so afraid of? I believe she's pregnant. And she's afraid of them coming for her baby. All the things that Sophie is pregnant and afraid of her baby's abduction. Sophie confirms Mulder's suspicions when she makes signs for baby go flying light. Sheriff deputies order Ambrose to release Sophie into protective custody, causing Ambrose to seek help from Lang, revealed to be her old boyfriend, but he says Sophie should be released into the wild. Lang later goes to see Ambrose at the warehouse where Sophie is being prepped for shipping, but finds her cage empty. He's then mysteriously killed by a falling crate. Scully finds that Lang was struck with a cattle prod and suspects Ambrose of murdering him, but she claims that Meacham did it when Lang surprised him. Mulder goes to arrest Meacham, who is keeping an angered Sophie at another warehouse near Boise. Meacham claims to have been following Ambrose's orders when he murdered Lang. Meacham suddenly locks Mulder in Sophie's room, where the enraged gorilla attacks and injures him. A bright light appears and causes Sophie to vanish, but not before she gives Mulder a message in sign language. When Mulder shows the message to Ambrose the next day, she says it means, Man save man. Ambrose and the agents are then called to the highway where Sophie has been struck by a car and killed. Ambrose and Meacham are charged with manslaughter for Lang's death. As the agents leave Idaho, Mulder says through narration that he believes alien conservationists were behind the events in Fairfield. Willa Ambrose and Ed Meacham have been charged with manslaughter for the death of Kyle Lang. And though the courts will rule on this matter and justice will no doubt be served, the pall of a greater tragedy remains. The motives of the silent visitors who set these events in motion remain unclear. Could this be a judgment on a global rate of extinction that has risen to 1,000 times its natural rate in this century? An act of alien conservation of animals we are driving hard toward oblivion? And if so, might it follow that our own fate and existence could finally be dependent on the conservatorship of an extraterrestrial race? Or, in the simple words of a creature whose own future is uncertain, will man save man? my field report for Fearful Symmetry. Uh, Fearful, Fearful Symmetry isn't one of my favorite episodes, especially after the last two that we just had, Endgame and uh, Colony. Those were great, so by comparison, this one really gets dwarfed. But it's still an okay episode. It's, it's watchable. I'd give it probably a 6.5 on a 1 to 10 scale. And compared to other mythologies or other Monster of the Weeks, it's probably still in that same range, around a 7, something like that. But compared to other shows on TV, it's closer to an 8. For the sequelizer, it does have a high potential for a sequel because, you know, the aliens could still be abducting animals all over the world. So I guess it's, um, you know, they're still doing it. <laughs> and for the Mythometer, it's obviously a monster of the week. 
So pending any further evidence in this case, fearful symmetry is filed unsolved. Now let's hand it off to Chelsea down in the chem lab. Hey everybody, Agent Chelsea here. This week's episode is Fearful Symmetry. Not my favorite episode, I'll just come right out and say it. Um, in fact, I hate to say it, but it might be one of my least favorites. I just really have trouble staying interested. But, let's focus on the good, shall we? One of my favorite parts of this episode is the autopsy on the elephant. You might think, really? But yes. What I love about it is what Scully says right before she dives in. This isn't exactly in my job description. I love this because I feel like this becomes something that runs throughout the entire series. Mulder signing Scully up for things that absolutely is not in her job description, or is, but is extra gross. And he always does it in a, oh hey, by the way, you're going to be doing a blah blah blah, okay? Great, thanks. <laughs> And then I always love how Scully just kind of goes along with it. I mean, she may make a few sharp comments here and there, but that's what makes it even better. Now my other favorite scene is where we get a look at what Skyping might look like in the 90s. Uh, but it certainly isn't free like it is now. I love that they make a joke about it costing the taxpayers a lot of money. Because really, Mulder and Scully do waste a bit of the taxpayers' money. Sometimes it's necessary, but really, Mulder could have just picked up the phone and called. And, of course, we get a quip from Frohickey about the lovely Asian Scully. Can't go through a lone gunman scene without it. <laughs> now, you may have noticed that I didn't really go over too many like Mulder and Scully interacting type scenes like I usually do, or really like I'm supposed to. But that's because there weren't too many scenes that were necessary to mention. But before I give my reading, I just want to mention one last part. Mulder's closing monologue. Did anyone else think it was awkward to watch Mulder and Scully drive for like a full minute? No? Just me? Okay. I'm going to give this episode a rating of 2 out of 5. It's not horrible, it just... I don't know, it just didn't have something to keep me interested. I I don't know. I, I, I'll be honest, I ended up falling asleep throughout this episode quite a few times. I had to kind of keep rewinding and watching it and I don't know. But how would you rate this episode? Write us at xfilestruth at live.com.
counterintelligence. Inside information. This is Agent Stone with counterintelligence for X two dot eighteen. Fearful symmetry. Written by Stephen DeJarnat. Directed by James Whitmore Jr. Aliens impregnating zoo animals. Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night. What immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? Are aliens abducting zoo animals, artificially inseminating them, and then harvesting their embryos before they are returned? A UFO hotspot where no animal pregnancy is brought to term? Gorillas who use sign language? Only in an e- episode of the X Files, right? Well, maybe. Fearful Symmetry sees Mulder and Scully puzzled by the strange nocturnal disappearances of animals from a small Idaho zoo, and their equally inexplicable reappearances elsewhere. By the close of their investigation, they have stumbled upon evidence of a captive breeding program undertaken by unseen visitors who are not of this earth, and apparently none too good at map reading. As seems fitting in such an unorthodox case, the agent's primary source of information is an unusual one: a gorilla called Sophie, who can communicate with zoo supervisor Willa Ambrose in sign language. While mankind continues to ponder the existence of an intelligent non-human race like the extraterrestrial naturalists of Fearful Symmetry, the facts behind the subplot of the episode are a stark reminder that sometimes the truth is as close as your own backyard. Ever heard of Coco and the Gorilla Foundation? Well, the Gorilla Foundation is a non-profit 501c3 corporation dedicated to the preservation, protection, and well-being of gorillas through interspecies communication research and education. The foundation was established in 1976 and is best known for its groundbreaking work with two Western lowland gorillas, Coco and Michael, who learned to use a variant of American Sign Language to communicate with caregivers and others in their environment. This research, known collectively as Project Coco, has become the longest-running interspecies communication study in history, and the only one involving gorillas. The results are published in numerous research papers, books, and videos that can be found in the Gorillas Foundation's bibliography. During the past few decades, gorillas as a species have become critically endangered in Africa, and the Gorilla Foundation has correspondingly adjusted its focus to apply our interspecies communication research to raise awareness about the need for gorilla conservation and optimal captive care, as reflected in the following top initiatives. When Penny Patterson, a young graduate student in psychology at Stanford, first saw a tiny, undernourished baby gorilla named Hanabi Ko at the San Francisco Zoo. She had a little inkling that the sickly ape would become her constant companion, and the subject of the longest continuous experiment ever undertaken to teach language to another species. But within a year, Project Coco was underway, and in two weeks, the gorilla was using correct sign gestures for food, drink, and more. Today, decades later, Coco, the world's most renowned gorilla, is drawing on a vocabulary of more than 1,000 words. 
Top initiatives of the Gorilla Foundation at Coco.org include CocoQuest, where you can help Coco establish an expanded family via adoption so that she can raise a gorilla baby and transmit both her language and her influence as an ambassador for her species, creating a self-perpetuating process to ensure there is always a native spokesperson for gorillas and other endangered great apes to sustain interspecies empathy. CocoQuest includes the continuous updating and refining of our gorilla care practices utilizing two-way communication as a tool so that we can better manage, monitor, and learn from Coco's current and expanded gorilla family. Two is Coco Speaks. Coco Zest, with Zest being an acronym for Zoo Educational and Signing Technology, and is a multimedia database that can be used to educate humans and gorillas so that we can better communicate with our fellow great ape species. Four is Coco Arc, where you archive decades of multimedia data from Project Coco. Five is Coco Africa, to expand the modest but meaningful successes they've had in the African countries to educate and engender empathy about gorilla conservation and help convert poachers to protectors. Coco Mai is to develop the first tropical gorilla sanctuary outside Africa. And seven, Coco Michael which in this project, the Gorilla Foundation is working with a team of neuroscientists who are studying Michael's brain, and together they hope to understand why Michael's brain exhibits higher concentrations of a certain type of neuron that is associated with higher social awareness. The levels of these neurons found in Michael's brain are higher than any other great ape specimen studied, and much closer to those found in humans. Was Michael's brain development affected by learning our sign language? by being encouraged to paint, by his traumatic first-hand experience with bushmeat, or is he just an anomaly? The work of the Gorilla Foundation is supported primarily by donations from individuals with some support from foundations, corporations, and educational product sales. The Foundation receives no support from government sources at this time. Now, the use of animals and images of animals have a larger role in the phenomenon of abductions than people might realize. There are at least four categories into which animals and abduction can be categorized. One, abductees love for animals. Two, extraterrestrials caring for and preserving animals. Three, the aliens use of animal images for the purpose of camouflage and screen images. And four, the use of animals in alien experiments. Hypothetically speaking, why would aliens feel a need to abduct humans, perform tests, and mutilate animals? And why do so under the cover of secrecy? Animal mutilations are peculiar in that they all contain certain elements of mutilation. For example, the reproductive organs are generally excised with surgical precision. The same anomalous factors can be seen in human abduction, without the gruesomeness of death and mutilation, of course, and that tests are often performed on the reproductive organs. Ova and sperm are said to be extracted. Why? Fact. Fiction. Your guess is as good as mine. For now, the final word on fearful symmetry and the simple words of a creature whose own future is uncertain. Will man save man?
What's out there for Fearful Symmetry? Well, I've got some reviews that come from both sides, uh, good and bad. So let's start with our first one, which comes from Musings of an X-File. If I'm to understand this properly, aliens are abducting animals for genetic testing and conservation purposes since we humans aren't stewarding the planet the way we ought. Said aliens have such advanced technology that they can travel light years through space, abduct animals out of their cages without unlocking them, but they can't put them back. They're so worried about preserving these animals that they impregnate them, steal their babies, and drop them among human beings who they know will kill them if they were on the loose. Not to mention, these animals are so scared by the abduction experience that they all seem to be in need of a psychologist, or at least Dr. Doolittle. Now, okay, when I went to go find reviews for this episode, I knew I had to go straight to this blog because, well, as I always mention, this blog is hilarious. And I knew there would be a lot of negativity out there, and if I was going to read something negative, I thought it had to be hilariously funny. And I just love the way she put this. Um, honestly, like, go read this whole review because the whole thing is great. I just picked my one of my favorite parts. But also, I'm going to read a little bit from the conclusion. An episode about straight-up cattle mutilations would have been more interesting. As it is, the whole premise of fearful symmetry ends up being mirror that quickly swallows the episode whole. That this episode comes directly after the pinnacle of Endgame only makes things worse. Does it sink to the depths of three? Few episodes can. Is it quite as dull as space? Humor saves it from that ignoble fate. It only, its only saving graces are a chance to see Angry Scully and the all-too-brief appearance of the Lone Gunman. Ah, the Lone Gunman. Too bad one of their funniest scenes is lost in an episode that's mostly forgotten. They can easily steal the show in this one. Not that that's too hard to do. So, overall, how did it score on my reasons I watched the X-Files test? Did it make me laugh? A little. Did it make me happy? No. Did it stir my imagination? No. Did it move me? Uh, did it freak me out? Heck no. Rating of C-. Like I said, if you got a little chuckle out of that, go read the rest of this review. It's just funny. Now, for the other side, uh, thank you, Agent Summer, for sending me this because I just really, I love showing both sides of what people think. And this review comes from the X-Files Lexicon Forum uh, posted by username Ghost Machine. And they write, Freed by the convictions of the mythology, Fearful Symmetry sees the X-Files getting back to the basics of telling a simple little story. And this has to be one of the most refreshing and compact stories they've yet attempted. Amazingly, this well-rounded and comprehensive episode doesn't have a high reputation among X-Files. I, however, think it's one of the most satisfying stories from Season 2, which can only rank as high praise indeed. It also has some really interesting topics to broach. The treatment of captive animals is raised and, in typical X-Files fashion, not commented on. But this is one of the strengths of the program format, now so secure in itself. 
it doesn't need to raise political flags. The opening teaser, as an invisible elephant devastates a city street, is a superb one, and the subsequent imagery of the elephant suddenly emerging from the mist is equally lingering. It also means that Scully gets to do the biggest autopsy she's ever likely to do. Probably the one criticism here is that it's very hard to pull off a convincing gorilla suit, something the filmmakers seemingly dimly aware of. Hence, said gorilla being shot in semi-darkness most of the time. But isn't it typical of Mulder to want to question the gorilla, and even more so that he is able to bring Sophie's last message? The episode also ends on a most affecting note with the death of Sophie and her keeper's subsequent despair. But it's the bigger picture behind it all that provides the real food for thought as the two agents drive off in silence, a risky move that, while Mulder's voiceover ponders whether man will be able to save man or indeed whether some other force will have to come and preserve us. It's a fascinating wrinkle to the aliens here on Earth argument, rating 9 out of 10. Now, there's there's a lot of points here that I agree with. Um, I, I agreed about the opening teaser. I think that the opening teaser was really effective. Um, however, I don't think that the gorilla suit was the low point of this episode. Um, but you know what? I think it's interesting that he found a lot of really great things in this and that he was, you know will able to uh, rate this at 9 out of 10. So I'm glad that he enjoyed this episode very much. So what side are you on? Are you more on the side of this is great or this is not so great? That's what's out there for Fearful Cemetery. Character Profiles Profiles in Character This week's profile, Tina Mulder, as portrayed by Rebecca Tulin. We are introduced to Agent Fox Mulder's mom, Tina, in the episode Colony. Her appearance was only seen in ten episodes in the entire series run, but her presence is felt throughout. She is seen at Bill Mulder's house in Colony, talking to what we know as a Samantha clone, one in which Tina believes is her long-abducted daughter. Tina was born Elizabeth Kuypers in Ohio in 1941. She later married Bill Mulder and bore two children, Fox and Samantha. In November 1973, Samantha was abducted from the family home in Chilmark, Massachusetts, ultimately leading to her divorce and eventually moving to Greenwich, Connecticut. Tina likely knew more about Samantha's abduction and the syndicate than she'll ever let on, but kept this information to herself either to protect her son or because it was too painful for her to bring up. 
Like Bill, most of Tina's biographical information is not divulged until much later, starting with her next appearance in The Blessing Way. She is far too important, however, to ignore and to not at least introduce as we are doing here. But there are some non-spoiler tidbits we can talk about. Her birth date is unknown, her name was unknown for years, then revealed in the episode Kitsungari to be Tina. Elizabeth is shown as a name for her on the hospital bracelet in the episode Talitha Kumai. The episode Dreamland 2 spells Tina with only one E, and also reveals her maiden name to be Kuipers in the episode Talitha Kumai. It will also reveal a major plotline about her past with someone other than Bill Mulder. Rebecca Tulin is usually cast as the mother of a main character and can be seen in varying performances from 21 Jump Street and The Outer Limits to Shooter with Mark Wahlberg and most recently in R.L. Stein's The Haunting Hour. checked your email i found these in my email this morning and now the female with the emails agent chelsea all righty we have a couple of different little bits of feedback this week i'm going to start with our email hi agents great job on endgame it's an exciting episode which i enjoyed a lot your insight covering this groundbreaking episode was outstanding earning a gold medal in my book, Lil. Thank you, Lil, and awesome Olympics pun at the end. I'm assuming that's what it was. Um, thank you so much. It was a great episode, I agree, and absolutely a groundbreaking one. And I'm so glad that you enjoyed all of our feedback. Thank you, Lil. If you guys want to send us an email, send an email to us at xfilestruth at live.com. You can send us your thoughts on the episode just like Lil did, or you can send in any type of question, comment, anything you'd like. And you could also comment on our Facebook page, which some of you have been a little bit shy about, but that's okay. Um, I posted a question, how did you like the Colony Endgame two-parter? What were your thoughts, um, and were they similar to ours? And Jeffrey replied, Loved it. Two of my favorite episodes. So thank you, Jeffrey. A lot of you are really great at liking the post, but feel free to add your own comments. We like to hear from it, or hear from you, no matter how long it is. It can be as long as it is on Facebook. It doesn't matter. Um, but if you want to check out our Facebook page and you haven't yet, X-Files Truth Podcast, search that at the top. Like our timeline. And feel free to post there. Also, you can comment on our website, which someone has. And I'll read that right now. 
I definitely agree with Agent Shadow. Endgame rates a 10. The scene of Mulder finding the submarine on the ice is incredible. Probably the most iconic scene in the whole X-Files series. And that is from Grey Ghost. Thank you very much, Grey Ghost. So glad you enjoyed Agent Shadow's uh, rating. I agree the submarine and the ice is incredibly beautiful and just well done and so iconic. So thank you very much, Grey Ghost, for your comments there. Feel free to go onto our website, xfilestruth.com, just like Grey Ghost did here, and comment down at the end of the page, or um, on our contact page, or there's basically a comment section almost on every single page, so feel free to do that. We love to read your thoughts on here. Um, sometimes things get lost in the spam, but most likely if you if you don't post like a website on your comment, it'll go through just fine, but we do check the spam, so don't worry. Um, thank you, everyone, for all of your comments. Be sure to check out our website, xfilestruth.com, for all the info from the episode, all the links and songs that we put on the show, and we look forward to hearing from you. time on X-Files Truth. While investigating the disappearance of a U.S. Navy destroyer, agents Mulder and Scully find themselves in the Norwegian equivalent of the Bermuda Triangle and experience super-accelerated aging while trapped aboard the rusty, soon-to-sink vessel. X-Files DNA. The end theme that I injected with X-Files DNA today is called X-Files 2009 by Mike Nero. And to hear all the music that we used on today's show, just go to xfilestruth.com. We have everything listed there, all the songs we used for bumpers and everything. And also, if you want, while you're there, check out a couple of the other uh, links we have, like Area 51, we'll put secret projects and uh, X-Files related things there. And... All the agents have their own video page, too, so you can check out what kind of taste we all have in uh, videos or in life in general. And a special thanks to Barry from Ireland, who's been emailing me a little bit lately. We've been having a conversation, too. He emails a lot, and he emails the show, too. So thanks a lot, Barry. Don't forget to email us, xfilestruth@live.com, And please leave a review at iTunes, too. That helps us a ton. So for Agent Chelsea, Agent Stone, and Agent M, this is Agent Shadow, and we will see you in two weeks.
Can anybody ever tell you the camera loves you, Fro Hickey? Yeah, the arresting officers at the Free James Brown route. So what's this costing the taxpayers, Mulder? About 150 bucks an hour.
made this? 20th century Fox. Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night. What immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? In what distant deeps or skies burnt the fire of thine eyes? On what wings dare he aspire? What the hand dare seize the fire? And what shoulder and what art could twist the sinews of thy heart? And when thy heart began to beat, what dread hand and what dread feet? What the hammer? What the chain? In what furnace was thy brain? What the anvil? What dread grasp dare its deadly terrors clasp? When the stars threw down their spears and watered heaven with their tears, did he smile his work to see? Did he who made the lamb make thee? Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night, what immortal hand or eye dare frame thy fearful symmetry? Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.